Welcome to Move Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Clapson. The aim of this podcast is to explore, learn, and spread the message of rewilding and natural movement so that we as humans can live in more alignment with our nature and reclaim what it means to be fully alive. The modern world has stripped away so much that used to nourish our mind, body, and soul. This podcast will help illuminate how we can reclaim and restore our innate, wild, capable, and strong spirit. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Move Wild Podcast. So today is a solo episode for those of you who are new to the show or don't know. Fridays are solo episodes where I record and share my thoughts from some of the conversations that I've been having and just, yeah, my thoughts from throughout the week and my key takeaways from those conversations. And Tuesdays are the shows where I release the conversations and interviews I've been having with different people focusing on topics such as rewilding, natural movement, diet, ancestral lifeways, and and I guess those are the main themes of this podcast in general. So I also cover those themes in the solo show. But today's episode, I wanted to focus on the idea of domestication and kind of offer my thoughts on it. So domestication is often thought of or referred to in terms of livestock or plants that we domesticate to grow. But more and more due to rewilding and similar movements people are now putting humans into that conversation and starting to understand how we over time as a species have become domesticated and the impact of domestication on our health and how we can kind of undo that process so first off i want to start with what is the definition of domestication and why might we choose to remove ourselves from it so i'm going to share what i think of as domestication it's not you know dictionary definition it's not what other people might define it as I'm, everyone has their own kind of different views on this matter but domestication is in my eyes the process of taming weakening or making reliable a wild animal plant or ecosystem through control force manipulation or diet and you know obviously there's there's variance on that but for me that's what encompasses domestication obviously that's very broad uh, and but that's what I'm going to be talking on today and using as a kind of reference so humans are being or have been domesticated by many factors usually by other humans who seek power over scarce resources and scarcity of resources has been created by agriculture so in my view domestication and agriculture go hand in hand they're kind of inseparable and they need each other to survive and spread so when you have a large group of people who don't control access to scarce resources such as food who rely upon a small few who do control that resource the people who are at the whim of that governing group or the small few could be considered domesticated so this hierarchy or social dynamic didn't really exist in pre-agricultural hunter-gatherer societies from what we understand anyway who rely upon themselves and a small group of connected people to hunt and gather their food from the land they lived on if everyone was able to hunt or gather food there was no need for control or violence within that tribe or community and when food was genuinely scarce the whole group banded together to ensure their survival if in grain growing agricultures or agricultural lifeways and and societies a false sense of scarcity can be created when surplus exists and and certain people hoard that surplus and divvy out numbers of resources to the people who are underneath them and whom are considered less worthy of those resources so a few few notes on these concepts that i'd like to mention is that when society shifted towards a more agricultural based lifeway while they became more expansionist they meaning that so they became more expansionist meaning that their 
was a greater necessity for them to move outward and attempt to dominate or conquer neighboring tribes and villages. I'm not saying that this didn't happen in pre-agricultural hunter-gatherer societies. I'm not sure on that. But in agricultural societies and, and, and peoples who practice agriculture, the amount of land that you had, there was a direct correlation to that and the amount of food that you could obtain. And the more land equal the more food and also degradation of land happens pretty quickly within many agricultural societies such as desertification and and that's that's obvious in places like the middle east where you you once had a very fertile piece of land that has slowly over time through agricultural practices been desertified and is no longer fertile and so the other the other thing that I wanted to touch on uh, on this this concept of agriculture and, and, and domestication is it also allowed for masses of strangers to congregate in cities creating the necessity for greater social control and cooperation and new new ways of cooperating and, and new ways of communicating which was largely uh, facilitated through trade and money where that was not necessary before where you were not necessarily in hunter-gatherer societies or in hunter-gatherer groups, you were not going to be exposing yourself to large numbers of people that you didn't know and had no system of communication with unless there was trade. So cities allowed for large people to con- large amounts of people to congregate and that brought about trade and money on a massive scale. Not that there wasn't trade before, but it, it brought it about in a, in a bigger way and that allowed for specialization and the, and the dependence grew as more and more people became specialized because if you are a specialist I've talked about before and written about before then you rely on other specialists for different aspects of your life whereas if you're a generalist if you know how to build shelter get food you know do all the things that are necessary to keep yourself and your family alive then you don't need to rely on many people outside of your community if you become a specialist and you only know how to build but you don't know how to hunt or you don't know how to process food, then you're going to rely on another specialist who knows how to process food and he relies on you for building. And that goes on and on and on. And that is the advent of trade and money in a big way. So more more on domestication. Domestication requires indoctrination because as it needs that which is being domesticated to become submissive and passive to a greater force which is uh, the greater forces often those with the more resources of the, or those who are able to hoard the resources within that culture or society. So in my eyes, we're, we're born wild. We're born expecting a world that is very different to the one that we live in. But over time, a domesticated kind of mindset or worldview has to come in and we, we are influenced by that by the people around us so that we can abide by the rules and regulations that society decides is best for us to live by. A few of these rules are informed by what is appropriate for human biology or what is appropriate for the biology of whatever that is which is being domesticated and is often, not always, more informed by uh, how it can benefit those who are domesticating, i.e. those who want more resources and those who benefit from the domestication process. So. To kind of shake off 
this domesticated mindset and reclaim a more wild mind and spirit and worldview means that we may have to reject many of the notions that we hold as unconscious belief systems that keep us entangled and weak and dependent. And, and shifting that mindset means conscious choice that is taken with full responsibility being accepted for the outcome of that choice. That is in my eyes what a wild mindset is or what wild human expression is or what a, a more independent, responsible worldview is. Domesticated human expression or a domesticated human worldview is action being taken to appease or to serve something that has greater power than you that you don't necessarily even know. It's not connected to you. It's not your family. It's not your community. But it's a, it's it's something that you are at under the mercy of unless you take certain a- actions or do certain behaviors in the hopes that you will get rewarded. And it requires more and more. It requires little conscious thought. It requires you just to follow what everyone else is doing more often than not if you live in a more domesticated society and this is you know this is this makes sense because we are social creatures and it is within our nature to model and follow as well as lead but the modern world has few good examples in terms of people to model and therefore it is often better to be proactive in leadership of your own life rather than reactive to those around you who follow what is currently considered to be the norm. So in my eyes, taking leadership, being proactive in your own life is another way of reclaiming more of a wild mindset and shaking off a domesticated worldview or mindset. And the more that we do this, the the better and more in control we are of our lives. So this is kind of the first step in undoing domestication, changing your perspective, changing your worldview, changing your mindset. And we talked about this, myself and Peter talked about this idea of it's it's more about the worldview than it is, is about the action in terms of removing ourselves from perhaps a more domesticated culture. And so moving on health, health and vitality, I wanted to talk a little bit about that and how that has kind of been slowly undermined as agricultural lifeways have become the norm and practice throughout most of the world. And that ties in a lot to domestication because that which is unhealthy or sick is automatically more dependent. If I'm unhealthy or sick, I become dependent upon those around me who I know. And if I don't know people who can help me because they're all specialists, none of them are, you know, none of them are trained, then I rely on a medical system. And, you know, that, you know, that's a great system and I'm very grateful for it. But at the same time, I don't, I don't have control over that system. I'm not fully aware of that system. I don't know the people within it. And it's ideal or more ideal to move back to a place where I am, A, A, I'm a generalist. So I know how to heal myself and B, I'm around people who I can depend upon, who I know very well. So, so more on that health and 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 vitality and and how it's being undermined and sickness and disease have now become more common when once they were rarities you know pre-agricultural hunter-gatherer societies disease and sickness were quite rare comparatively or relatively to how they are now and now they're being normalized and in my in my view all disease is tied to a straying from or an or a a leaving of nature and more importantly our nature as humans so straying from our nature as humans that creates disease so an example of that is moving away from a diet that is appropriate for humans moving away from environmental factors that are appropriate for humans moving away from community moving away from all the things that allow us as humans to thrive 
So for, for that, for the health piece, the, we just need to understand what it takes to create abundant, vibrant health by looking at our evolution to answer the question of how we're designed to live almost every element of civilization and domestication kind of pushes away our nature or honoring our nature from diet to sleep to community to death. So if we can kind of look through more of an evolutionary perspective and understand what is biologically appropriate, what is species specific for humans and come back to the, what is natural and reclaim the independence of health, that is in my eyes one of the best first steps that we can take towards becoming more wild and removing the shackles of domestication if you will. Domestication requires disempowerment in order to work, the stripping away of skills, capabilities through specialization, through creating lack of health or lack of ability to heal or be healthy or lack of education to be able to create health or wealth and the, and the stripping away of skills and capabilities that are required for an individual or a community to be self-sufficient. So it requires dependence of those who are participating and it creates this dependence by removing the collective wisdom of land and food and replacing it with a constant nutrient-poor, calorie-rich food source, as an example. Hunter-gatherers don't fit into agri an agricultural framework because they have the skills necessary, or a domesticated framework, I should say, because they have the skills necessary to live within the land rather than having a fear-based relationship with nature as most agricultural or more domestic peoples do. Civilization kind of fosters a mindset of warring with the natural world or fear for the natural world and, and fighting with it for scarce resources, whereas a hunter-gatherer lifeway fosters a deep sense of respect and connection to land in order to live and in order to live within that ecosystem. So why are most societies today agricultural if it's so bad uh, or if we want to avoid domestication or agriculture so why you know why is human domestication the new norm scarcity of resources within agricultural societies drives conquest and the need for ever expanding territories i touched on before and there's many elements to that land is simply one of them a lot to do with surplus and a lot to do with greed in many ways and so most, most societies have kind of been forced rather than asked or invited into an agricultural lifeway, either through direct conquest or in order to protect and defend against conquest. So, you know, if you are a tribe or a group of peoples that is living next to another tribe or a group of peoples that have decided to take on a more agricultural based society and they are able to expand their population and expand their fighting force, then it might be a good idea for you to do the same in order to defend against those people due to the threat of those invasion or conquest. So that is, a, you know, in a way that is forcing into domestication or forcing into an agricultural-based life, life way, a, not, you know, obviously defense is by choice, but in a sense it's also being forced. So traditional knowledge and and kind of ancestral collective wisdom is generally lost or destroyed in conquest as the conquering people seek to create dependence or completely wipe out their rivals and that you know all that knowledge and all that ancestral wisdom it being lost means that it's very hard for the conquered peoples and there's you know there's many indigenous groups that this has happened to to reclaim that knowledge or that wisdom that allows them to move back to a more wild undomesticated way of living 
and drives them or forces them to be reliant upon or dependent upon a more agricultural way of life. So again, education is a massive piece. If you remove the education that is required to be skilled and capable of providing for yourself and living off the land, then you are dependent upon those who can provide for you from the land through an agricultural lifeway. So so this is, you know, that's a very basic overview of how civilization spreads uh, through fear and war and violence, more often than not. Not always. Some people take it up because they perceive it as being easier. There are, of course, hunter-gatherers who have been peacefully... Um, well, yeah, so there's, you know, there's there's a more warlike taking over, but then there's also the more peaceful, like, you know, hunter-gatherers being moved to off their, you know, fertile hunting grounds to areas where agriculture is harder to practice. It is, it's usually in the remote areas of the world where access to land is limited or land is barren where people can't farm it. That's where indigenous peoples are left, <laughs> left alone to kind of continue their life or their move there even the arctic circle is an example of that there's many examples of that around the world where there's these pockets these rural pockets of the world where hunter-gatherers and indigenous peoples can still live because because agriculture is not applicable there yet and so the and yeah so they're they're they can remain there to live according to their ancestral lifeways. So the move back towards these ancestral lifeways for people who have found themselves uh, born into modern society, like myself, like many of you listening, uh, modern society, an environment, you know, that is detrimental to human health. It's a challenging step to move back towards it, but there, you know, there's there's many laws, there's many structures in society in place that actively or or unconsciously try and stop that move towards that life way but i believe it can still it can still be done and and more and the way that it can be done in my eyes is through community and through collaboration where people come together and consciously choose that that's what they want to do to live in more alignment with their nature and away from modernity and that's that's kind of what i'm doing so that's the mission that i'm on to create place-based community that honors what it means to be human to bring people together who share a similar vision and want uh, and want to be a part of that. And I, I want you to be a part of that. And I want you to be actively engaged in creating this. So whether that means, you know, so coming along to what I'm doing, co-creating this vision or simply sharing this podcast, any action goes a long way towards spreading this message and lifestyle across the world or even locally. I think focusing locally is key. So that might be coming along to one of the retreats or just simply sharing this podcast. So this is not, you know, this, what I'm doing is not about one person. It's about a community. It's, it's you know, global or local. And it's the impact that we can have to heal both ourselves and the planet through embracing ancestral wisdom and and, and through shaking off the, the chains of domestication of uh, as if you will. So I ask that you join me on this journey. I need help and anything you can do is valued whether that is just sharing this episode or helping me create the retreats or reaching out and connecting um you know let's do this together let's make this happen together so obviously you know if you're listening in this is something that you value i i know i really value it and i really get excited about talking about this stuff so thanks for listening in hope you got value out of this episode i hope there's some way that we can connect and really grow this movement and get it out to more people so again if you've got value share this episode hit me up on instagram let me know what you think 
and I'll catch you on the next episode coming out on Tuesday.